Hello, I'm Luca di Montisemolo, and I can assure you there is no problem at Ferrari. Fernando and I are in complete agreement that it's all Felipe's fault. Be quiet, let's go, driver. Hello, welcome to a hot and sweaty North London evening in August. I'm Gareth and I'm joined by Richard Porter. Hello. And Zog. Hello. And gentlemen, it's been a while since we had an F1 race. Can you actually remember anything about F1 right now? F what? It is. Sorry. Well, Ferrari are having their little scrap, little internal bickering. Bickering, bickering. I wouldn't call it a scrap. If you're talking about the performance of the two drivers, I wouldn't call it a scrap. But I think we'll come to that in a second because the headline, if there was a headline in F1 at the moment, it would be Lewis wins. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, no, yeah, gets his what first win. Fantastic. It's the banjo. The banjo oh. resonates to certain frequencies. Anything in C, F and G, basically. I think that guitar does as well, yeah. actually. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the banjo. You can't see this, but there are musical instruments hanging on the wall here in Gareth's sitting room. But yes, uh, so, so yeah, Lewis Hamilton won, and he really needs it. He's going through a tough time at the moment. He doesn't want to talk about it. But, <laughs> though, actually, but he doesn't want to positive. talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he seems to be in a really good place. Well, here's a funny yeah. thing. On the one hand, he seems to be taking it quite badly, his split with Nicole Scherzlinger. But, Understandably. Yes, well, you could see that. But I think of anyone who's ever been through a bit of a messy breakup, I think you'd lie on your bed staring at the ceiling, feeling a bit weepy and listening to slow music, whereas he's capable of driving a Formula One car to its limits (laughs) around the Hungarian Grand Prix track. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was feeling a bit weepy. Well, I reckon because he didn't have a drive with Mercedes. But uh, but that that was the one more That's true. I have never had a drive with Mercedes. I reckon he's just putting on the whole, yeah, no, it's really cutting me up thing to get at her because however they've broken up it's not gone well yeah. and he's trying to score points in the meantime you know he's down uh, what do these young people do they go to rap clubs is that what they do he's down discotheques discotheques yes and he's meeting all the young ladies isn't he I, I bet he is but he's putting on this oh no it's really hurt. well yeah. or I thought what you were going to say is that he's doing all of this oh I'm really cut up as a kind of emotional psych not to Nicole ex-girlfriend but to other drivers. Ooh, Sebastian yeah, Vettel, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. And then he's able to go, yeah, you see, I'm sensitive and I have emotions, but I can still win races. Nah. Yeah. You can win races, but you're like a scary robot. Do, you Do we ever know if Vettel has had a relationship? I'm not he's aware. Got, he's got, got, he's got, 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 got a, a long-term girl. Has like, he? Yeah, yeah. Long-term, you know, but British. Yeah, he's still, is she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is why he's probably the most British Formula 1 driver of the moment. Of course, yes. Do we have any cheese? Mark Webber is very British because he pays proper... British income tax. True. True One of the few drivers, in fact, possibly the only driver in the current championship who Who's does a UK resident pay pays UK British income tax. Income yeah, wow. Yeah, fair yeah. dinkum to yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're not counting Max Chilton then? No, doesn't he's, he's, he live he's bound in um, some kind of tax dodge. haven thing going on? Yeah. Is he paying capital? Well, actually, also, he doesn't have any earnings. A lot yeah, of outgoings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Supporting that entire team, bless him. Thank you, Max, for your money. Please drive as Carefully. quickly as you Don't can. Yeah. 
Let's go back to Alonso because quite a lot happened recently and it's all to do with Mark Webber's seat. The fact that Mark's off to Porsche, that'll make you double happy. Oh, he does, yeah. I know you love Mark and I know you love Porsche. That's for another day. Yeah, but this kind of pecking order that's emerging for the Red Bull seat, I would go as far as to say it's not going to be big, lovely, smiley Daniel Ricciacchiado. I reckon it isn't going to be him because... Red Bull are in such a strong position at the moment in terms of being a very competitive team with a good driver. Vettel's great. So they're not interested in doing anything other than hammering home their superiority. They're going to pick the best driver, not someone because he's come up through the Red Bull driver's training programme thing. But on the other hand, surely they need to make more of that Red Bull programme because it hasn't really produced mm-hmm. results for them in the past. You could argue mm-hmm. that it looks like a rather expensive... Youth it club. looks like a bit of a waste of money, yeah. I, expensive I youth club. Where, you know, so so, I, so I, I think if they don't go for Raikkonen, I think they're going to go for Ricardo. Yeah, but that's the thing. I agree with both of you because you're right. That programme... Isn't worth a dime if yeah. they don't get yeah. some results from yeah. it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no room for sentimentality or exactly. trying to cover your mistakes, like the way that people act when they trip over a paving stone in the street and just kind of, OK, carry on as everything's normal. They've got to get the best driver they possibly can. Yeah, of course. It doesn't matter where they come from. So yeah, and, and if Raikkonen's available, if then... If Raikkonen's available, Of course yeah. they're going to go for but it. But I suppose then they can, in the manner of someone tripping over a loose paving slab, if Raikkonen suddenly bails on them, go, yeah, we wanted Ricardo all the time. Yeah. He's from our programme. This is mm. what we wanted. We meant this. Mm. I think yeah. Kimi yeah. really wants to go to Red Bull for the following three reasons. One, to prove that he's better than Vettel. Yep. That's going to be number one in Kimmy's mind. Two, to stop anyone else from getting in that car and beating him. Which is probably yep. the best car, and he's a racer at heart. He just wants the best car. And three, so he gets paid. Because you saw that interview with Ted Kravitz and Kimmy on TV recently where Ted said, have you been paid, Kimmy? We've heard that there are lotus financial issues. And Kimmy pretty much said, no, I haven't been paid. So, yeah. I mean, you add that up, money and the best car on the grid and proving that you are better than the other guy, you're going to do it, aren't you? Can I add a number four into yes, that? Yes, Reasons why Kimmy wants to go to Red Bull. Yeah. It Part goes four. well with vodka. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so it's a done deal, isn't it? That's my fourth reason. But it's not going to be Alonso, is it? Not yet, anyway. Well, well yes, but Alonso's in trouble I was going to with say. Ferrari. And I think once you cross... Ferrari and displease them that you're no longer the prodigal son. I mean, if he goes to the next race, Belgium, that's a wonderful place for him to do something magical. But at the Mm. moment, it's not looking so hopeful because the car's not perfect by any means. And this is the whole way this trouble started. He was asked, I think, wasn't it? What did he want for his birthday? And he he said, said, I'd like someone else's car. And then apparently Luca de Montezemolo. (laughs) No, 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 no. Don't say that. A chat. And so, yeah, I think Yeah, they're starting. There's a little bit of friction. On the one hand, it could all work out quite nicely the rest of the year if that car gets a little bit better and Alonso's able to pick up more points then you know he'll be happier and no problem he'll be confident maybe he'll want to stay there but if he doesn't get any better and he keeps staying things like that and Montezemolo has a word with him as I'm sure he will if he says too many negative things then that relationship might not last that much longer what do we think about Alonso's character now that he's been told off in a team where he was the golden boy it's as much over for Alonso at Ferrari from Alonso's point of view than it is for Ferrari, I think. That will turn his attitude completely. 
I think he's a bit vindictive. Isn't he? Yes, yes, well, he's he's you can argue. I think he's shown yeah. himself to be not a team person. Mm. He's a bit of a lone wolf. He just does what's best for him. And I'd say that about Gimme Raikkonen, but I'd say that in an admiring way. When I'd yeah. say it about Alonso, I'd say it in a, what a duplicitous <laughs> he is. So, but I think um, Raikkonen's way of doing that is that he just gets out there and does it himself, and he's kind of quite self-contained, yeah. and he just wants to get the equipment and get on and do it. Whereas Alonso... alone. He knows what yeah, he's doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. To quote yeah, 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 the man yeah. himself. And he'll just do a way better job than his teammate. Whereas Alonso does work with the team rather more and wants to feel part of the team in a way that Raikkonen doesn't. And I think mm-hmm. you see in... Yeah, like I say, yeah. at McLaren, when he was teamed with Lewis, Alonso reacted very badly to not kind of getting the deal out of the team that he thought he was getting. He thought he was going to be the number one driver, and actually he wasn't, and he didn't deal with that at all well. So there are good reasons for thinking that the Ferrari thing might go tits up. I reckon Alonso... He's in that helicopter. I think he's listening (laughs) to what we're saying now. Go away, please. I reckon Alonso must have seen the movie The Battle of Britain recently. Have you seen that film? Not recently. No, not recently. Um, From what Alonso said, he must have been influenced by a conversation that was allegedly had during the Second World War between the head of the Luftwaffe, Hermann Goring, and one of his air vice marshals. About aircraft over Berlin, was it? Not necessarily, no, no. no. It was the one that says, what do you need to be to the Royal Air Force? At which point, Goring's air vice marshal, whatever he was, replied, a squadron of Spitfires. So, and it's exactly <laughs> what Alonso... And he, I think he mm. got sacked for it. He got, suddenly got told off. And that's exactly what Alonso... Exactly! <laughs> Did the, the Nazis tell people off? Uh, in a very gentle way. I mean, the, yeah. the only thing that I can nice think of being more terrifying <laughs> than getting on the wrong side of, of, of Goering <laughs> is getting on the wrong side of Ferrari and the Tifosi. Frankly, I think I would find that more terrifying. That'd be kind of sort of horse head in the bed time. Oh, it's, oh there's a lot of horses. I imagine that Alonso can't get into his bed for horses' heads. <laughs> it's just, he might as well just put the undersheet over the horses' Gentlemen, heads. Gentlemen, prancing horses' heads. <laughs> Oh, uh, hi, Deirdre. Uh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just having a clear out of the cupboards, Mr. Horner. It's all Mark's stuff, you see. Now he won't be driving for us anymore. There's no real need for it. His flip-flops, his stubble chiseler, his empty bottles of orange squash. Oh, yes, and I found this jar of the Vegemites. And the Aussies like that stuff, don't they? So uh, I'll chuck it in the bin. Oh, wait, Deirdre. Uh, let's not be hasty. I don't know if you lot managed to watch the last episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, which was a video episode of Zog and I driving around West London in an electric car which stored its energy in a hydrogen tank in the boot. That was proper exciting, Zog, wasn't it? It was a really exciting event. Not so much for the car itself as for the initiative that it's a part of. Mm. To sum it up, the fact that there's a London-based hydrogen energy initiative, Mayor's Office, amongst others, are keen on hydrogen as an alternative fuel, and so there's this programme running up to 2015 to get some more hydrogen filling stations into London so that if you have a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, you can fill it up, and to get some more vehicles on the road. There are already hydrogen fuel cell buses. I'm not quite clear how many of those IX35s... A thousand. uh, But that's not all in London. I was going to say, I'm not sure how many are going to be in London. The thousand number, that is the number of the hydrogen fuel cell version of the IX35 that 
Hyundai are producing. And this is the other significant thing. It's a semi-production run. These aren't yeah. one-off cars. These are cars that are... Serial it, production, they call yeah, it. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a sort of baby production rather than full-on, full-scale production. But yeah, they're turning out a thousand of them and it's proper, finished, production-ready item and it's damn good, you know. But Hyundai are talking about building 10,000 of these in the next 10 years. Now, if that really is going to happen, even if it's worldwide, there's a bit of a change where hydrogen cars are becoming practical. Hyundai are doing this on their own. I think BMW, GM and Mercedes are working together to do their stuff. Mm. You haven't driven a hydrogen car, have you? I haven't, no. You've got close to an FCX, the Honda FCX, haven't you, with James May on top? I wasn't on that shoot. Um, So, no. Well, I have seen one in the US once, but I didn't get to drive it or even sit in it. Oddly enough, I think the Hyundai is more interesting because... That Honda FCX Clarity is made as a bespoke car, and it looks like a sort of grown-up version of the latest Insight, but because the shape's very similar. But it's a car in its own right. The Hyundai is a normal production car, Mm. yeah, hydrogenized. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's sort of the interesting bit, isn't it? The the reason why they use the iX35 is that it's a four by four. Yeah. And you need a bit of extra space in the car for a slightly larger, what, about 50% larger than the fuel tank, the gas tank. And yeah. in order to find room in that vehicle, what they do is they take out all the rear-wheel drive stuff. Yeah. So the iX35 is front electric motors, and that space in the back where the diff and all that was is now the fuel tank. So unlike a petrol fuel tank, it's not as easy to change the shape of your hydrogen tank in order to fit the available space. Because if, oh, okay. if you actually look at how a petrol tank is fitted into most cars, you know, it's not complicated now yeah yeah they're quite complicated shapes they're fitting around wheel arches and they're going around this and that and, your and, and leg, yeah, well, there you right. go whereas your hydrogen tank because the type of tank that they're using in the rx35 and which i think pretty much everyone else is using is a pressure vessel mm. you put high pressure hydrogen into it it's got to be able to contain very high pressure and that means it's got to be something like a cylinder or a sphere the more complicated you make the shape the more weak points you have, mm-hmm. basically potential weak points, and therefore the stronger material you make. Yeah, so they've got this more or less cylinder with rounded ends tank in the back. It's a plastic tank, interestingly, rather than being carbon fibre or anything like that. They've come up with... Did you say thing. in your video the, the thickness of the walls of the tank? Did you mention this? They're thick. thick. They are very thick, yeah. Which, so, um, again, that's a bit of a packaging nightmare to mm. get. There wasn't a lot of space in the boot, I think, no, uh, as it, I recall, but yeah, you, you, you've got to fit bad. quite a bit. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. Well, and, and the Jag F type, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <They'd>, um, <laughs> but I suppose the point that really is, as a PR job on hydrogen cars, is going, look... This normal-looking car that mm. looks like one that someone down your street's got runs on hydrogen. Hydrogen's not scary. Hydrogen's that, normal. That's yeah, well, the I, point I made in discussion with the head of Hyundai UK, Tony... <laughs> him. That the fact that they were doing... Is that it, the Hertfordshire? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, yes, yes, I know them. I know them. Uh, Reading, actually, thinking about it. The fact that it looks like an ordinary car will work in its favour and will help them sell more than oh. something that's super futuristic, I think, in this context. Hydrogen has a way to go to become accepted. If it's going to be something we are using in the future, then they've got to overcome the filling problem, the fact that if you could buy a hydrogen fuel cell car tomorrow, you might not be inclined to do that because there wouldn't be many places you could fill it up. Mm. And part of the point of this initiative, of course, is to help overcome that by 
getting more filling stations out there. Yeah, this isn't just uh, a car, it's a programming concert exactly, with yeah. hydrogen manufacturers and distributors. Yeah, 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 exactly. Companies that are building the fueling stations and distributing hydrogen. But another thing they have to overcome is also familiarity and the fact that, mm. you know, of course, we're familiar with an internal combustion engine car. People are now pretty familiar with various electric and hybrid vehicles, but hydrogen is something people aren't so familiar with. And so you've got to break people into new ideas. And so seeing more hydrogen vehicles around is going to help to get it in there. I was tweeting about this recently, and it's seldom that I get any ire and anger from people on Twitter, but I did. I forget the chap's name, please excuse me, but he was incensed that we were promoting hydrogen cars as a good idea. No, no, it's the opposite of green, he thought. Plug-in hybrids and range extenders are the way ahead. I said, no, hang on, the hydrogen from the firm that Hyundai are working with, in a large part, is made from renewable electricity. I think, I didn't read those tweets, but I suspect he was making a point that was at least based on some very solid principles on which you might object to a technology or a way of doing something. Here's the thing. Hydrogen is not a fuel. Hydrogen is a way of storing energy. Yeah. Mm. It's not a fuel because you can't go and dig any hydrogen out of the ground. You've got to make the hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And in order to make the hydrogen, you've got to put energy in. Mm -hmm. And crudely, that's just like charging up a battery. In the big picture, the question is... How efficient is the process of getting energy from where you're generating it in the first place, you know, a power station of some kind, whether it's a nuclear power station, a coal station, or a bunch of windmills, whatever it is, how efficiently do you get that energy from there to the wheels of the car? Mm -hmm. And at all the stages along there, you know, you get various losses, there are various costs involved. You don't get quite the same amount of charge out of a battery as you put in, but they're pretty good. In an internal combustion engine, you don't get anything like the amount of power out of the wheels than you're putting in in chemical potential energy they're very inefficient you know you put a lot of heat out and other stuff electric motors are incredibly efficient hydrogen fuel cells are efficient but hydrogen isn't particularly easy to store and transport you've got to compress it and when it expands again you get some losses in compression and expansion shouldn't they are talking remember, about making the hydrogen locally at the filling stations they've got little they electrolysis uh, yeah, plants well, yes there are various ways you can make hydrogen yeah you can do it with electrolysis you stick a current into water yeah. and you get hydrogen and uh, oxygen out. You can actually make hydrogen from fossil fuels. I think you combine steam and hot hydrocarbons with the right sort of catalyst and you get hydrogen and some other stuff out. Now that actually is how most hydrogen is made industrially. Mm -hmm. Electrolysis isn't as efficient as you would like. I think those local things, if you produce hydrogen locally using solar photovoltaic cells on the roof or some other form of local renewable power then yeah it doesn't matter if your electrolysis isn't that efficient in a sense but it does matter if you're making your hydrogen from power that's on the national grid these are all things that have to be worked out well the upshot is you do get a car which removes any pollution from the city centre and it's deliciously quiet that was the most attractive thing electric cars are attractive for that reason well, alone and the other thing is that of course the great thing is you've got that combination of the quietness the efficiency the, the lovely talk of the electric car mm. with the fact that you can just pull into a filling station fill it up in a couple of minutes and yeah. away you go albeit there are not very many filling stations you can do that at yet but there are going to be more in the next couple of years so let's see how this whole initiative works out but it was very interesting to get a chance to drive that thing because yeah work beautifully 
it was very impressive. Did work well. Things made in production centres in petrol stations, though, yeah. concerns me, simply because a lot of the petrol stations that I frequent can't even look after their Costa coffee machines properly. <laughs> yeah, I think you yeah. would have somebody slightly more qualified than the guy or the girl who is standing behind the cash desk selling you a chocolate bar. I think you'd have somebody more qualified than that okay, doing good, the maintenance. Good, just checking. I'm, I'm hoping. And as a bonus, if they're making this hydrogen locally using electrolysis... Women, when they go in there and get their hydrogen fuel car topped up, they can have all the hairs removed from their face using electrolysis at the same time. Bonus. <laughs> there you go. That was, that was your ha, no wait. <laughs> no, I'm Don't not, mock don't. the science of this. That, you know no, I've got, I've got. Hello, sir. Pump number three, please. Pump three, sir. That'll be £63.38, please. And um, would you like any hydrogen with that? Uh, nothing. It's a special offer. Free hydrogen? Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine, thanks. As much hydrogen as you like, sir. I don't want any hydrogen. Not even a little hydrogen, sir, for your car? I don't need any hydrogen. My car runs on diesel. Oh, uh, well, are you sure about that, sir? Look, I'm buying 60 quid's worth of diesel from you. I think I'm pretty certain that my car runs on diesel. Now, just let me pay for my fuel, uh, and I'll take this bag of sweets as well, please. Ah, the sweets, yes. The thing is, sir, uh, the sweets come with a free bag of hydrogen. Stop trying to give me hydrogen. Oh, please, sir, for God's sake, take some hydrogen. Take the hydrogen, please. Warning, gas pressure increasing. Have you got one of those machines around the back that makes hydrogen? No. You have, haven't you? No. All right, yes. Thought so. Warning. Gas pressure critical. I don't know how to turn it off. Gareth Jones on speed. I got an email from Zog today, and usually I can understand what you're talking about in your emails, Zog, because oh, I don't think I've got a decent <laughs> command of English language. Because usually we're talking about the same stuff, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we're, 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 we're on the same wavelength. We've noticed yeah. the same stuff. But I had no idea what this email was about when you said, Richard E. Grant, major... I shall paraphrase. Thank you. Major unpleasant person or drama queen, something like that. And yeah, I didn't I know what this was about. Did you know what this story was about? Richard no, e. I had to look it up as well. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised it passed you both by, though. Do you know what? I Give it in, I, in a nutshell for those who don't I know. I normally log into richardegrantnews.com today, <laughs> but it's gone a bit quiet recently, yeah. so... I think it even made The Guardian. Did it? Well, you tell the people what it's about, because they don't know. Go on, so Richard E. Grant became one of the latest celebrities to get into a Twitter spat. I believe it's called, with Minnie over his daughter's Mini Cooper, which had, according to his rather angry tweet, or series of tweets, uh, series of tweets uh, the steering of his daughter's Mini had locked up on the motorway, and this was tremendously dangerous, and it was outrageous that Minnie weren't immediately compensating him and giving them a new car, and he was complaining loudly and vociferously and very self-righteously about this horrendously dangerous locking of the steering... It turns out that this was just a manifestation of the very well-known problem. You're a bit more familiar with this than me, Richard, I think, but the very well-known problem nonetheless. Let's put this to Richard then. Is that right? Does the Mini have a problem with its power steering? Well, I'm presuming this was a first generation of the new Mini. 
So it's the old yeah. shape one, effectively, but of the BMW era minis. I think if you ever seen one the of those manoeuvring around a car park, they make a funny noise when there's a bit of lock on at low speeds. They have really? electro hydraulic power steering. So it's not the full old fashioned just hydraulic assistance, but mm. nor is it the sort of more newfangled old electronic, electric. where an electric motor is on the steering column and, and does the assistance. It's a sort of hybrid of the two, not unique. Few cars have it. They put it on the Mini. It was actually an initiative that came from Rover because they were doing a lot of development stuff on that car because they thought electric systems at that point didn't have enough feel for what was supposed to be a sporty, nippy little driver's car. And they came up with this sort of halfway house system, but then some bits of it clearly weren't quite specified right, and it makes a funny old noise. That's what it sort of just does. It's a characteristic, but there are, if you ever look online, lots of instances of people having failure of the power steering, essentially, yeah. yeah. Uh, Allegedly. Uh, well, well, no, no, there's nothing alleged. People say, oh, yeah. I've got a bit of a problem with the power steering on my Mini. And so, that, that, so it's one of those things. But we were talking about this before we started recording. The steering doesn't lock. Exactly. You, know, it, you it's, lose power assistance. Yeah, and in this case, you're losing power assistance whilst you're driving along a straight road mm-hmm. uh, under circumstances in which the steering could be very light anyway. But mm-hmm. the thing that we were talking about was the fact that Richard E. Grant's daughter, I don't know how old she is, but I'm guessing... She is probably sort of, what, in her late teens, early 20s? I, I'm I don't guessing. Know. We're guessing now. But probably of a generation of person who's never driven a car without power steering. Mm-hmm. And so for the steering to suddenly become incredibly heavy would be a terrifying and strange experience for her. And this raises the question of whether you should be allowed to do a driving test in a car that has too many driver aids. Maybe power steering should be allowed, but this suggests probably not. But what about crash assistance or crash avoidance uh, mm-hmm. software? Lane you know. maintenance. Yeah, well, you know, parking I mean, but, sensors. But you, you know, no, you surely shouldn't be allowed Well, ABS, that's ABS a difficult is one, isn't it? Because ABS yeah, is on all cars now. It's very mm. hard to find a car, unless you're going really way back. Mm. And even then, that was coming in in the 80s. And by the time you get to the 90s, an awful lot of cars had it. And into the 2000s, everything had it. And so, really, you should just be trained in knowing what to do. Because I think, I, I remember... Uh, Hang on, uh, trained in knowing what what? Well knowing, well, knowing what happens when you hammer the brakes, because ABS yeah. gives you that little funny granular feedback through, yeah. The, yeah. through the pedal. You get yeah. that so feedback. Pulsing. 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 Yeah, sort of yeah. Yeah. And if you know what that is, it's fine, but... Mm. I remember an ex-girlfriend of mine did an emergency stop in a car that had ABS, and she went, I think there's something wrong with the brakes on my car, because I had to slam on the brakes, and mm. then the pedal felt funny, so mm-hmm. I'm going to get it checked out. And I was like, well, hang on, describe what funny is. Mm-hmm. And then we sort mm-hmm. of got down to it. I was like, no, that's the car doing what it's supposed to do. That's the ABS working. I've that's always believed that people should learn to drive in cars with low grip before they're given, you know, modern front-drive hatchbacks with big 60-profile tyres. You know... You 60? 60 would be moderately yeah. high-profile these, these days. These days, sorry. Like 25 or something. old school. Rubber band. <laughs> you, know, you know who would agree with you on that? Is TV's Tiff Nadell. Really? Uh, who learned really? to drive in a Morris 1000. And oh, believe that! that is where his fondness for oversteer it, came from. There, there are well, four all, cars. All the Scandinavians learning on yeah. slightly icy roads. Doesn't do any Better harm. drivers. There are four cars you should learn to drive on. And <laughs> this is getting just, expensive. That's it. Okay, this <laughs> is also getting... Oh. The Mini, 
the Morris Thousand, the Beetle, and the Deschavaux. We've possibly no, a series one member. I think that this is just uh, this is much much Gareth Jones' classic driving sure school. <laughs> <laughs> what are they teaching you about car control? Are you just learning the like, sort of? They, they teach I tell you what will teach you is how to go over speed humps backwards really fast. Is that what they do? A vital skill. Well, it's one of the talents of a Deschavaux. I think. But yeah. driving a car like that will tell you how to manage your car when it loses adhesion. You know, you learn how to cope with that that tail slide. An awful lot of cars won't even get that close these days. They stick and then they hit the wall. There's no slight drifting. There's no mm. gentle breakaway. No clues, you know. I also think that you shouldn't be allowed to have a driving licence unless you've driven a PSV. Oh, they don't call them that anymore. They don't call them public service vehicles anymore. You mean a bus? Buses? A bus, yeah. Or, or an HGV, Arctic, through London at five o'clock on a Friday. And yeah. also okay. done it on a motorcycle. If everybody, in order to pass their driving test, yeah. has to drive yeah. an HGV yeah. or a bus through London at five o'clock. Yeah. I don't know. This, I, I'm there? just thinking. This, this is. I think it's slightly unfair. If you're, for example, a student nurse who lives in Truro <laughs> or Aberdeen. <laughs> It's prohibitively expensive on the travel alone. Well, and also, if you happen to be driving through central London yourself at five o'clock in the morning, you might not want to come across, you know, that day's compliment of 100 learner drivers. Obviously, this is a future (laughs) transport (laughs) policy that I am still working on, rather like the Liberal Democrats. I'm getting there. You're still workshopping. Yeah. Then again, you know me, I want to come off all the noise of the national anthem, so, you know, obviously my ideas aren't that rational. You've been listening to the irrational Gareth Jones, the ridiculous Zongport's John Porter, right. who are you? <laughs> and the Is ridiculous. Now we're the Siamese twins. <laughs> and my great friend Zog. Goodbye. And my equally great friend, who's not in any way ridiculous, and neither is Zog. Richard Porter. Goodbye. This was on speed. See ya. And our next show is the summer music compilation. Happy holidays, everyone. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>